listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. As always, I'm Thomas Irwin. If this is your first time joining us, I'm, uh, I'm the Niagara Moon guy. That's my moniker for uh, my own blend of Baroque indie pop I produce. A little bit whimsical, a little bit retro, a little bit oddball. And if you're joining us once again and you're, uh, you're a Niagara Moon fan, welcome back, Moondog. Uh, but it's not just me in here. I have a regular co-host of sorts, Dan Barracuda, joining me once again. He's an excellent songmaker. And we have a third special guest this week. That special guest is Nicholas Kurgovich from Vancouver, Canada. Nicholas does a whole lot of different stuff. He works within the uh, pop genre pretty broadly. Uh, some of it is like 80s-inspired sort of dancey synth pop. He, he has more kind of uh, folk roots singer-songwriter work. He uh, has an amazing new, new age album, ambient uh, electronic jazzy album with Joseph Shabason, former guest on this podcast and very cool dude, as well as Chris Harris. Uh, that album is Philadelphia. He, he's, got, he's, he's been in the game for a long, long time uh, has a really cool discography, which is part of why I was uh, keen to connect with him, have him on, uh, hear his take on this particular blend of um, enthusiastic musical nerdery. He chose the album 69 Love Songs by the Magnetic Fields from 1999. If you know this album, it's probably a big part of your world. This, uh, this guy, Stephen Merritt, he's made his own universe of... of very distinct, unique songwriting, to to put it lightly. This was a juggernaut. <laughs> it's it's three album. It's not even three albums. It's like six albums. It's it's three hours of music. Uh, I thought it was a great choice for this podcast. It really, well, at least I'm speaking for myself here, but maybe Dan as well. Uh, kind of got us out of our usual box with the way that we'll we'll come at an album and the perspective we'll we'll take when. I don't know, evaluating it. Uh, Nicholas kind of gave me a, a deeper appreciation for the kind of connection one can have with a particular album. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's You're just going to have to listen to it to really get, get what I'm trying to say here. But uh, he, he gave us a different kind of episode today. And I, uh, I really appreciate that. It was, it was really cool to, really cool actually to, to get his take on this. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy it as well. Last little thing I'll say here is we just had a couple of delay, audio glitches, what have you at the beginning, if you notice anything funky. Anyway, let's talk 69 love songs. Meaningless, you mean it's all been meaningless. Every whisper and caress, yes, 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 it was totally meaningless. So we're back here on the Niagara Moon podcast, and we got Dan Barracuda. Say hello, Dan. Hello! Yeah, let's go! <laughs> Love the energy, Dan. <laughs> Already. Thomas, <Tom's good. laughs> And we got Nicholas Kurgovich yeah. joining us today. Hello, Nicholas. We overwhelmed him. Oh, he's there. <laughs> let's see if that helps. I turned off the video. Yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. Uh, so, yes, we have an awesome guest today, Nicholas Kurgovich. Uh, how would you describe your, your sound and your style? Because it seems like you do a lot of different things. I was, uh, I was checking out your latest collaboration 
um, with Mr. Joseph Shabison and uh, Harris, I believe, kind of cool ambient yep. new age style, but you do like uh, like kind of dancey pop music as well. Yeah, I just always say pop. Yeah. So it's the most generic catch-all. <laughs> I don't really think in terms of genre too much anyway, even though I'm clearly working within them. But yeah, pop, I make I make pop music. Yeah, wow. For the people. And it's it's <laughs> very eclectic, and I would argue as eclectic as uh, this album we're talking about today. Mr. Stephen Merritt's uh, 69 Love Songs, The Magnetic Fields. This has got everything in it. Um, I really, I felt I was being pranked when you suggested this for the show because I just, I just managed to finish listening to the last 69th song like 10 minutes before we started this. I, I squeezed it in. You know, I, I had to spread out my critical listening nice. throughout the week. Um, you took us on a, on a ride, and this, this is an interesting one. So you made it yeah. to Zebra. Made it to Zebra. Yeah, it was crazy. So many songs. It's like, who else does that? Who else is that prolific, has that much quantity in a, in a release? Frank Zappa. In this day and age, nobody, basically, as far as I know. Yeah. And he's been around since 91. I was doing some research on him. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. And crazy. 30 years. He just put out, I, you probably in your research saw that he put out 50 song memoir a few yep. handful of years ago too. So not yep. only does he have 69 love songs, but 50 song memoir is part of his already ginormous discography. Yeah. And he's from else. Boston. Mm-hmm. Well, he moved around a lot uh, as a child, all over the, like 20 something places in his first 20 years or something. So uh, he had a hippie mom, bohemian mom. So they were all over the place, but uh Definitely, I think when he started making music, it was in Boston. I think they, some of them went to Harvard. Maybe he did. I'm not sure. But wow. Yep. That's kind of well, what made I, me think of them when uh, when this podcast came up. Just because when I think of Boston, I often think of the early magnetic fields. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I lived in Boston for like many years, hmm. and I only I only just moved to Brooklyn uh, this year. So. I moved from Boston, so yeah. it'd be cool to see like where exactly he lived. Yeah, I just picture them as like weird goth punks in like 1982 <laughs> in Harvard Square, just hanging around. You know. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, they got a Cambridge yeah. feel to them. Have you been a lifelong fan, Nick, of the uh, of the Fields? If my life began in when I was 17, then yes. I'd say that's valid. Yeah, so, that's cool. Have you life- seen them live? Oh yeah, a bunch of times. Uh, but I, I didn't. I kind of. I knew the name and stuff when this album came out. But I was in a record store when I was a teenager in in 1999, and it was playing on the thingy. And I did that thing, which is always so nerve wracking, especially in the 90s in an indie rock or like a a cool record store. And I had to go up to the counter and be like, "What is this playing?" And yeah, and then yeah. bought the. <laughs> bought it on the you know, on the spot wow. you know you bought it on the spot did wow. you realize it was like three discs i'm assuming <laughs> probably cost a little more than your your average album yeah i i dropped i dropped bills that day for sure <laughs> um i think at the time too i apparently like the box set uh sold out before it even was released so and the whole so yeah, I had to buy the three. This is so boring and inside baseball, but I had to buy the three CDs separately because they also sold them separately. But the box set was like vanished 
because the demand was so high and it was so unexpected wow. to merge records or whatever. So the album was kind of impossible to get for about three months wow. once it was released because it was just so wildly popular. Must have just added to the allure. Yeah, I don't. I'm not that familiar. I wasn't that familiar with them. I've like heard the name before, but I'm not like. I wasn't super familiar with the with the magnetic fields. What do you think? They're a trip. Yeah. I knew about this band because my mom randomly had 69 love songs in our house for a cool. while when I was a middle a middle schooler. I, I think she had like a quirky librarian friend at the time. I suspect that that friend had told her about the at least this album. I don't know if she ever listened to any of their other stuff. Right. Um, so I think just I think the idea to her, especially of like a band sincerely releasing that much music in one album was uh was remarkable to her and she 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 played it a few times i my mom would be playing this album i i would hear this in the background i'd kind of totally forgotten about it since then except for the songs meaningless that song always stuck with me like the word play on that mm -hmm. uh that's where i learned the word effervescently <laughs> i always liked that tune nice and uh The, the Book of Love, I always... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. St stuck out to me as very clever. I mean, this guy is relentlessly clever with his lyrics. Like, just that in, a, in and of itself is a big accomplishment. So, some of the music's just dumb, he says, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? He sounds a lot like Morrissey sometimes. Like, a lot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. A lot. I was like, whoa. The sad sack yeah. vocal delivery. What was that song that he sings super low in? It sounds great. He sounds awesome. I Shatter, maybe? He, yeah. Yeah, there's one he goes, like, subterranean levels. Yeah, that might be I Shatter. And, it's, and there's some, do that. Yeah. It almost sounds like his vocal cords are shattering at the bottom of his range. It's cool. And God, I love that yeah. song because I love a, a two-note melody. That whole song is just do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do. Do, do, do. And it's, <laughs> yeah. at least to my ears, completely compelling. Wow. That's cool. The, yeah, there's cool. so much experimentation in this. Like, this almost felt like a, uh, almost at times felt more like a science project than like an artist's next, like, big statement. I don't know. Like, it, I've never, I can honestly say I've never heard an album like this. I mean, obviously because of its yeah. length, too, but... Just its flow is is very unique. Absolutely, it's it's not like your normal yeah. album. Whatsoever. I like how it's got all sorts of elements. It's got you know it's got acoustic, but it's got like synth, you know, and it's got female vocals, male vocals, and it's like folky and it's punky and it's rock. It's like very uh, diverse, very eclectic. Yeah, I think he classifies the genre of this album as variety show, which I like a lot because. And that's yeah. kind of what it feels like. It almost feels like a bunch of people putting on like a, a little, you know, class project or something. That's I, I like the science fair vibe yeah. that you mentioned. Now, are they all about different experiences he's had? Like, because they're love songs, right? So are they? But it's it's about love songs themselves rather than mm. the feeling of love. Like it's this whole like meta commentary. Yeah. yeah. On like the art of songwriting. He's pretty notorious about uh, not positioning the like the eye and his songs as being the eye of that's cool. as him as a person or whatever so that's like kind of hard for me that's like really yeah. hard for me to do so it's cool it's cool when people can do that it's <laughs> yeah it's a totally different method it's, it's yeah clearly his niche 
it's more like in line with you know like mm. the great american songbook composers or something like that you know not earnest right. songwriters yeah. It's kind of this old-fashioned idea of I'm going to, like, carry out this art for you, but no, it's not about me personally. Like, what do you care about my personal life? Like, yeah. it's about the songs. It's about the, you know, yeah. I'm doing this for you. These stories are for you. Like, what are you looking at me for? Oh, yeah. 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 So how old is he now? He's, like, a, probably in his 50s Early now. 50s. And is he still playing? They just had an album. So, oh, he, yeah. He released an album this year, 20, in May. Yeah. So this album almost feels to me... Like, I, I had trouble digesting it as, like, your typical, okay, a band released an album of music, and that's usually 40 minutes, and you just kind of sit with that. Like, it it felt like it called, like you were saying, Nicholas, about it feeling like a like a string of performances, a variety show. Like, it, it felt like part of a play. Like, I expected to see, like, a play or a musical with, like, costumes, like, performance art or something, like, that context seems to make like a lot more sense for it. I imagine they did very, very uh, fun live shows back in the day. Yeah. Well, I think he conceived of this originally as like a hundred songs and it was going to be like a live theater review. Yeah. And then he realized that that would be like wow, hours and hours and hours and no one would want to sit through it no matter how good <laughs> it was. And I think his idea or one yeah. of his early ideas was it to be performed by like non, non-singing or non-singers and drag queens or something like that. And someone would win yeah, at the end yeah. of the night. With audience yeah. applause or something like that. I don't know. So, But then he slimmed it down to 69, which is still... And 69 Love Songs is a much better title. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think. Absolutely. But that's one thing I'm really into about this particular album of theirs is because the Magnetic Fields has been, had been around for uh, almost a decade at this point and yeah. kind of like respected in very like small uh, circles. But then, you know touring these like very regal beautiful songs in like shit clubs and on inappropriate bills and you know like steven Merritt yeah. was notorious for just chain smoking through all of his sets and like playing <laughs> strumming his guitar with his finger uh, cigarette burning in between his fingers and stuff and just oh, like God. the din of the crowds being so loud oh really and, and so you know like i love the audaciousness of making this album kind of without any expectation because they were yeah, not really as well regarded at all as they are now after this thing came out. And he made it in his little like right. studio apartment in the East Village, you know, like it, there's nothing fancy. It's very humble considering the scope of yeah. it. And yeah, man, the album we did last week was also recorded in a guy's studio apartment in New York. Which one was that? <laughs> Mac DeMarco. Oh, right. yeah. oh, we did Salad Days by Mac DeMarco. Right. The antithesis of Stephen or. Yeah, Magnetic Fields. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> very, very different deal yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. As I got through the album, you know, there there's certain songs, you know, usually the ones that are under a minute long, like, what are we talking here? Punk Rock Love. What what What's the other one with the, with the F-bomb in it? Um, How Fucking Romantic. Yeah. There's a few <laughs> songs where I'm like, okay, he probably sat down. He's like, fuck, I got to do song number 51. Uh, okay, God. Absolutely not. Absolutely no? not. Yeah. You don't think no? that happened just a couple times? No? I have to debunk this immediately. Absolutely not. I feel like he, I know for a fact he discarded tons of songs for this You're album. You're kidding me. And really? he was also, at, yeah, and he was pulling from stuff from his entire like songwriting wow. life which i think goes back to when he was a child so like 
Yeah, those are purposely okay. placed there. Like they sound, they sound like they're just like, oh, I have to. But no, there's, there's, I feel there's a, yeah, there's a deep purpose they're... to every single millisecond wow. on this record. Holy, but God. I feel like, but I also feel like those things are there to like they are misleading. I totally yeah. understand where you're coming from. It makes yeah. sense to uh, hear something like that, but. Uh, I will say that All it right. is untrue. Well, maybe they do still, uh, wow. you know, like the flow is still undeniable. Like just song to song, mm-hmm. you're still, you're in a totally different world. Like there's a different arrangement going on. There's a whole, I mean, the singers change up frequently, which which definitely helps. But there's like, there's a different perspective or a slightly different twist on the same motif. So yeah, even when it's like really musically bare bones or whatever, I, I do kind of I, I get what you're saying now that like the intentionality is still there like it, it's very cerebral a lot of the the choices he makes here yeah totally man Definitely. the songs are so short oh yeah. there's a five minute one papa was a rodeo that was a, that was a standout yeah. that one had great lyrics yeah so he writes everything yeah and i'm pretty sure he wow. composes even like the drum fills that Claudia plays wow. and stuff like that. Like I think it's pretty pretty much his his bag. But I just love how the people he's assembled on this record and all of his records to ha- or they're just clearly devoted to his vision yeah. and genius and just want to serve the songs. You know, there doesn't seem to be like room for any other uh, ego necessarily. Yeah. yeah. But there it's it's so like wholehearted and like spirited, you know? That yeah. it's cool. It it all is in the same universe. It stays in the same universe. Mm-hmm. And also just talking when you were talking about the flow, apparently most of the record was like randomly generated too. So the sequencing is <laughs> right. Right. I'm wow. sure absolutely Cuckoo started it on purpose because of the A and Zebra. Right, Z right, right. End, but or Z, Z, as we say in Canada here. Oh, not just Britain. You guys say it too. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> so do you do you have EZ passes? Uh, <laughs> no, we're easy. Okay. We're easy all the way. Yeah. We play both sides of the front. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. How does this album differ from uh, 50 Song Memoir, like stylistically and, you know, I'm sure lyrics uh, are different, but like, you know, how's the, is the music, does it feel very different, like a big change? I don't think so. I mean, I feel... The main differences, I guess, is just uh, there's not a variety of singers on 50 Song Memoir. And also the content of the songs are they're all for the first time in his entire songwriting career, like explicitly about him. So that's a huge difference also. How how appropriate is that, that he, he has to go his whole career with explicitly being like, no, I'm not talking about myself. I'm not opening myself up. Okay, now I'll do 50 songs about me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he was ever to do it, that's the perfect way yeah. to do it, I think. So it's so cool. Have you met him? Uh, yeah. A good friend of mine uh, was invited to open a few of his, or we did two shows in Chicago and two shows in LA opening for him. And uh, I played in my friend's band, so... Uh, got some FaceTime, and I tend to not idolize anybody, and yeah, r- really. But it it was very exciting to meet him for sure. I even got him to sign a poster, and like to that to me seems absurd to ask for an autograph, like someone to write something down on a paper. But <laughs> I made, I mean, I got into this person and his music when I was seventeen or yeah. so. So yeah, I could not help, but yeah geek out yeah those are very formational yeah, years yeah. for what like what your music tastes are going to be 
kind of oh, for the rest yeah. of your life. Like it's the stuff that you love when you're seven. By the time you're 17, you know that that's gonna really mean something to you in perpetuity. I would. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah, it's like it's so hard not to geek out when you see somebody that you like, oh my god. <laughs> and especially when that person is just like this short, very <laughs> is like. Is he just like a short guy? Just like. Blank, like, you know, like just, yeah. He was, he, but it was, it was, it was pretty sweet. Yeah. Wow. wow. All right. I, I, now I'm not sure if, uh, would you say 69 Love Songs happens to be your like personal favorite of their whole catalog? Ooh. Or is it just kind of the most outstanding one thing that uh steven merritt recently has been rallying against is the idea of favorite yeah which i've kind of co-opted a bit because he's like picking favorites is something that 10 year olds do (laughs) (laughs) and it's true to an extent yeah so like yeah uh, yeah. so like the idea of ranking things seems very it seems like a practice that is useful in some ways but for me personally i'm just trying to do it less and less yeah and i naturally did it not that much so yeah i wouldn't even i mean it's a it's a masterpiece so as far as things go it's right up there yeah it's got a certain status so many he's made so many great records that i love so yeah it is because it is obviously all subjective and then sometimes myself with certain artists it's like whatever i could call my favorite or the thing that i you know, arbitrarily say I like the most, like that's going to change day to day too. It's kind of, yeah. it's fluid in a lot of cases. Yeah, totally. Now the album before this one was 1995. So four years. So uh, was he working on the album for those four? No, I'm sure maybe he toured for a bit. I wonder how long it took right. to like produce this freaking album. I think it was a year and a half or something like that. So not that long. That's still nuts because this is essentially six albums. This is almost three hours of music, it it really is like six albums. Uh, yeah, I think he I think he had the idea and then just had a meeting at the record label and then just started doing wow. it. So it wasn't it wasn't a long gestation. And then I think he finished it in the spring of '99 and it came out in September. So like the lag between it was it a CD package that he released it? Was it like a six CD package? It was three CDs in a little slip box with a booklet. It's like a big interview booklet thing. Yeah, nice. So yeah, uh, it's. What really stuck out to me also when I was just like finally going going through deeper and deeper is, you know, a lot of artists could attempt something like this and they'd pile really heavy on it and like try really hard with say like the first five to ten songs and then those would have so yeah. much more than the rest of the album like when, when it sets in they're like, oh, we got to keep moving, we got it like, but this is just, I can't yeah. tell where this started and where this stops. Uh, like this, I'm assuming still this is, well, you said spread out over a year and a half, but I, I can't, like, it all feels like they came out on the same day almost. The consistency is amazing. And it's like just the right amount of time to give the song its unique character, but not too much that he can't, like, devote that same amount of attention to pretty much like every other song on the album. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. He makes it seem like completely effortless in a way that is just I think part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this record too because even as like highly regarded as it is as a masterpiece I still feel like people don't really because of the ease in which he 
created all this stuff or yeah. the the way it sounds what the way it goes down i'm sure it wasn't you know it was like a huge project but like it's crazy <laughs> it's completely bananas that uh someone made this and it's this good and this consistent and this like timeless and like encapsulates so much even beyond like music just it's about like you know the the lyrics really are the um the x factor that kind of takes it took it over the it top is, for me yeah. um I yep. think, like, that's going to be my favorite element. Oh, oh I said favorite again, but that, that's going to be, like... <laughs> that's, like no, it's good. that's going to be my, uh, yeah, my most... Most preferred element. Preferred element of, of this preferred album is, element. like, yeah. if, if this guy wrote a book, I could easily read it. I'm Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I would heavily enjoy He's his poetry. He's a poet. Like, He's a poet. The amount of times he knows how to turn a phrase in just the right way to capture some humor, but it's still, like, really, like, easily understandable, but it's it's... Yeah, I, there's too much to point to a specific example, but it just kept like blowing my mind when I could tune into it. What he could do. Yeah, it's bananas. And he actually—he's like punk rock Leonard Cohen. <laughs> I agree. I think I think he's. Uh, I I've, have always thought of them. They're nerds, but they're. It's definitely what I consider to be punk for my my yeah my money. Like the yeah, and then also he is technically a poet. He has a book of uh, poetry out. Uh, called the 101 two-letter words, which I guess are the two-letter words you can play in Scrabble or in the English language. And he created poems for each one wow. too, so he could uh, help him memorize all the two-letter words in Scrabble, Man. which is deeply nerdy. No wonder also, librarians love him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's over time the magnetic fields have turned into like very NPR, like erudite. Oh you know, just yeah. Like, yeah, like your mom's CD collection. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is wild because at the time I think it was just for just these. Uh, I don't know. In the yeah, in the nineties, it was just more like listeners that I think were not, you know, were pavement wasn't or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the the titans of nineties indie rock weren't necessarily it for them. Right. The fields were right. were for them. Right. You know? Right. They've always been kind of other. A, a counter counterculture. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But then it's you know. It's been brokered into what it is now. But then also I love the idea that uh, they made this thing, or he made this thing. They made this thing, and then yeah. they pre- premiered it. They did four sold-out nights at the Knitting Factory after it came out in September 99. Wow. But now, but then they've they've done it at Lincoln Center and, like, the, the Hammersmith or something in London. Like, they've, you know, like, they've it's turned into something that's been pretty like where it needs to be you know yeah but it started so humbly from like a shit apartment and playing a small club you know it's it's i love all of this and, about and it he'd been doing it for 10 years at that at this point right because he, he his first release was in 91 so he's probably been playing music for a few years before that yeah and, too, and he right? had bands before that too yeah. and on his 50 song memoir he has a song about a band he had when he was 13 or something like that and there's a great line in that one about how they made uh they made the shag sound like he, like yes or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The Shags. Dan, do you know the yeah. Shags? They're no. this no. uh quote unquote girl group <laughs> from the late sixties. Yeah. Just these three sisters in New Hampshire. Uh their dad like pushed them into a local studio. There's you never heard anything like it. Like it sounds totally off yet. They're so in tune with each other. This, like, they all know what they're trying to do. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. my pal's name is Fudfud. Like, they sing about their cats and stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
the Shags. Shags. The Shags. Frank Zappa called them the oh, best the band of 1969 or something like that. You know, Frank Zappa famously said they're better, better than the Beatles. Better than the Beatles. Like yeah, check out the Shags, yeah. Dan. Yeah. They're from they're from the 60s. Yeah. 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 Uh, they're they're an interesting. So if they sound like yes, if they sound like the one of the more kind of pomp and circumstance prog bands of the 70s, yeah, <laughs> what's that going to sound like? <laughs> yeah, a complete cacophony. Chaos. Sure. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about that album sometime. Uh, I would have suggested it for this also. It, <laughs> that was, been great. it made a huge Im- impression on me when I was in uh, first year university. I heard it, and it was all I listened to for months. Wow, you went <laughs> I, that deep with it. I, I love it. Holy I love like I've I've listened to that more than I've never even heard a Beatles album all the way through, honestly. So like and I've heard Philosophy of the World ten million times. Holy so. moly. Wow. Yeah. That I also wanted to maybe suggest a Beatles album because I, I've listened to a few episodes of the podcast and you talk about them so much and I'm like that would be fun for me to like listen to Revolver and then have to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Try to get into it for like the first time ever. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I would love it. I'm totally sure I would love it. I'll, I'll get there someday. Wow. But so it seems like there's a through line here of you really enjoy music or art that's like, no, 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 like traditional expectations, you know, rules. I, I want something that is so confidently just diving into its own world. And like, just, like, the, like a con- iconoclastic might be the word or maverick, like, magnetic fields have this such the streak of like yeah maybe i know the rules like maybe i've kind of tried to play the game but like i am so far into doing my own thing and it's like there's no compromise like you're you're either going to jump on board or like it's not for you like there's there's kind of like that punk energy to this delivery yeah absolutely and i think yeah i i I like gravitating to like works of art that really posit their own world you know and it's so strong and the atmosphere is so clear so that's another thing i like about this record a lot is because it's so varied musically and everything but it does it it does have like a real atmosphere and i do feel like it feels like 90s new york like the east village and stuff not that i was ever there then but it just it has that feeling to it which i love yeah, and it's it's interesting because it is. Wow, I was just reading about the shakes. <laughs> dance, <laughs> dance in Shags Land. I'm so excited for you to hear that. Dan. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, they recorded yeah. in Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh really? I mean, they cool. could have recorded on the moon yeah. for. And Kurt for Cobain it said it was in his th- name philosophy, one of his top top ten favorites. Oh, the poor yeah, know, people right? want what the and rich I... people have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I Ian will appreciate the the drum fills on that album, Dan. It's a trio. Yeah, there's some great drumming on that album. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's so it's it's funny you mentioned the Shags because it is like the magnetic fields are more like musically like traditionally competent, obviously in a way that uh, you know the, the Shags are their own deal. But it's it's such a relentlessly like playful energy, and it's weird to think of this guy being in maybe like sort of the grungier kind of edgy like '90s indie rock scene. And I could see why he would feel like he has to distance himself personally because there's, there's like a lot of tenderness and like sweetness and vulnerability in some yeah. of these songs. So it must have been a trip for him to like, you know, jump in with all the, uh, the I don't know, the guitar edgelords at the time. Yeah. Sure. And all, but all that kind of like sweet, tender, vulnerable stuff is framed with such like a, like a yeah. flat dis- distance, yeah. you know, which also just really confuses things in a way that i think is so beautiful yeah like it's 
Yeah. So, because, I don't know. Those things that he's singing about in those moments, like a song like The Book of Love, I'm sure, like, that was just, that was one of many, many songs. But it's impossible. And I'm sure it's not about him. It's, like, a list of things, literally. But it's still just so incredibly uh, moving. And on, like, my millionth listen, which I've, you know, because I... Listen, I've, I don't know how many times I've listened to this record over the last 20 years, but right, right. Uh, I did revisit all of it before we talked today in fits and starts. His song, his song titles are just bonk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan, did you listen to the whole thing? Yeah. Oh, good. Awesome. And the, the, the covers are cool. The, the album covers are really cool, like distortion, realism, and then with eye. Yeah. See, I always think they're, I feel like the covers of all those records are, to my taste, like visually, just kind of like, meh, they're like, Bleh. but like, they're so they're kind of branded a little more. Uh, the branding is conscious or something. I don't know. They're just, well, just ah, not, e- well, the branding's there. I like the that logo and typography and stuff, but I guess it's more uh, just visually. They're just, uh, it's just like heavily graphic design based and. I don't, I don't know. There, there was too much thought into them. Whatever. I, I, it, more, more thought than there needed to be. Not even. I just feel like that. I just feel like there's. I don't actually. I need to think yeah, about take this your time. more so I can articulate it next yeah. next time we get together. Yeah. No. Okay, I mean, yeah. Just take, in take a take a few months. <laughs> just. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This. I. I'm curious. All right. I have. A, I have a question now for you guys. Uh, if I approached you, Nicholas, or if I approached you, Dan, I said, uh, all right, your next record is going to be a hit record, but you have to write 69 songs about the same topic. What topic are you going to commit yourself to? Animals. Ah. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Animals is a great answer. Yeah. Shoot, I wish I'd thought of that. That's a great answer. I would normally, I would probably pick something I know nothing about. Ah. So I would say like maybe like outer space, maybe. Yeah. Dishes. Or maybe some, maybe something that we don't really know that much yeah. about. Dishes. Ceviche. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> what about you, Thomas? Well, I asked this question, but I have no idea for an answer. Uh, animals would have been a good one. I, I, I also like your point of kind of tackling something totally unfamiliar so you can kind of treat it as like a research project and like come yeah. into it as like a, you know like a child like someone who's totally naive to it philosophy totally philosophy well, that, that would be really too that'd be too rough for me that would be crazy um, all right i got My an answer hurts. i would write a song about each type of beer that i sample i'd pick like 69 no. different breweries uh, you know, we, what if they got a IPA, a stout? I'll try each of those. I'll do a song, uh, each about a different type of beer. That's what I pick. <laughs> wow! I love wow. that. I'm actually terrible at describing flavors and taste. I've always been like that, so I appreciate your uh, yeah. willingness to go there because <laughs> I'm horrible at it. Like I'll even have like a candy that obviously is strawberry or something, but I like won't be able to pinpoint it i yeah. and i can taste things it's not like i i can't but i just i think i naturally overcomplicate everything so yeah <laughs> man this That's is a, this is inspiring the whole like limit like li- not like limiting yourself yeah. you know with like i love that that's super like motivating it's cool i like like what you just said thomas like 
if you were to write an out, maybe not 69 songs, but like if you were to write like a group of like eight songs, like about something and like you force yourself to like do yeah. this thing, you never know what you, what could come out, you know? Yeah. It's like we, you know, if you, especially if we, I don't know, maybe you and I damn well, and Nicholas too, like you said, we, we identify ourselves <laughs> as doing, uh, you know, pop music for lack of a better word. We're, uh, you know, songwriting structure, appealing appealing to people is like simpler, you know, pleasures or, or expectations, but it's like, what, what rules are we following when we do that? And who set these rules and why do we think of them as the rules? It's, you know, I can see where Stephen Merritt went into a very, uh, um, cerebral place with that line of thinking. Why are so many great songs like one, four, five? Like I want to write a one, four, five song and I like, why not? Like so many great songs are one four five, and we've been doing the live stream. Uh, Ian and I, my my music partner, we uh, I live with him, and uh, every day this week we've been doing like a holiday live stream, and we've been doing some some holiday songs, and um, just like the some of the most amazing songs are just like one four five. It's like G C G D G C. It's like like little drummer boy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like it's like. It's, it's like so epic and and it's so simple. memorable and it's so it's so simple and it's just one four five man lion sleeps yep. tonight like it's <laughs> you know it's yeah, just like it goes insane. on and on i mean like la bamba and twist and shout you know it's just so many well, that's I mean, that's like just thousands. rock and roll at that point that's the, the, the blues so cool. the blues is one four five simplicity and narrowing restricting yourself to to, to simple things but it's also like I feel if a melody is as beautiful as most of the ones are on Sick Nine Love Songs, it's like the chords underneath kind of disappear. Everything's just serving. Right. Like Everything's the whole just picture. serving. Yeah. So it's not even like what could I do here to make this more interesting? You don't yeah. have to do that. It's like the melody is just so indelible and perfect and like otherworldly that it just needs the simplest support. Yeah. Yeah. So, and to do that with any sort of ease or effort is incredibly hard. It is hard. Like, yeah. And yeah, so uh now I I'll be I'll be honest there is a there was a part of my brain listening to this album, you know, a part I'm not always proud of, but I uh you know, I'm someone who does a lot of production for myself. I'm always thinking about how to tighten up a song or which songs do I like, which yeah. I don't want, how to make them better debt to debt like, you know. There's that side of my thinking and with this album like, well, what if you made this a conventional album? What if we took the quote unquote best 12 songs and then which ones would I pick and how would I change them? You know, how would I make the arrangement sound more like lush or professional? You know, how would I make the sound less like it was just recorded in a day in a kind of like frenzied pace? Like, you know, I kept right. like, sometimes I would kind of like move the, the parts around in my brain, but then you just defeat the spirit of the whole thing at the same time. Um, yeah. He says, he says that he was trying to make 50, 69 love songs, not 69 love productions. So that uh, was part of he's on to me. Yeah. He's on to everybody. He doesn't. Yeah. I don't think he suffers any of these <laughs> kind of ideas lately. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, because I also like the, like the Joe Meek outsider, like mad scientist in his bedroom Joe Meek, produ- yeah. production of all of this too. You know right. what I mean? Like a lot of people are like these songs are so beautiful, but the production's like so weird. I'm like I think that is, I love when you have something regal, but it's presented kind of in like this wonky off kilter way. But in that way, it's still 
doing so much, you know, yeah. but it's unusual. It's definitely unusual. You know, I got a velvet underground, like white light, white heat vibes mm. sometimes. Cool. Yeah. Just, yeah. I got a velvet you're using so few elements and sometimes it's so crude, but you still have the vision and you're sticking to the vision. So it's like something's going to click. Yeah. Yep. Totally. And back to like, I remember we were talking about just kind of like having rules and parameters when you work on a thing like yeah. this record Every record he's put out since uh, is different in that, at least on a lyrical level, he doesn't use fudge rhymes anymore. Like, they're all perfect rhymes on every record since this one. And I kind of prefer his slightly more, like, rule-bendy approach to lyric writing on this one. Yeah. Because it gets pretty... It's still brilliant, but it's, like, very rigid. And I I love how there's like a even though he tries his best to you know come up with perfect rhymes and work within these kinds of classic pop writing I you know parameters or whatever but uh, I kind of miss some of the wildness in the records that came after this in some ways yeah yeah well what what's uh, part of the lore with this album like he wrote it at a bunch of New York bars hmm. Right? Yeah, so I think what, he was he was probably drinking. <laughs> yeah, was he, uh, was he a drinker? <laughs> he probably loosened up, you know, during the songwriting process more than a few times with this. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. I think cognac. I, his whole the lore is that he just sits around in gay bars with like thumping disco music and yeah, writes right. songs in his head in a little pocketbook. Yeah, and chain and chain smokes and stuff. I think he's probably um, with age, he's ripening, so he maybe isn't. I don't think he drinks or smokes anymore. Yeah. He was okay. drinking tea at the shows we, we played. Oh, uh, good for him. That's he good, was, yeah. Uh, changing his habits. Yeah. Yeah, and he's and he's vegan. He's been vegan, oh, he's for vegan? a long time. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Meat <laughs> is murder. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I don't think I don't know how Stephen Merritt would feel about a Morrissey yeah. comparison. Morrissey's a yeah. uh, <laughs> controversial figure. He is, to say huh? the least. If we're just speaking strictly musically speaking, Dan, I definitely see where you're coming from. It is this like it's very few notes. It's a low voice. It's very kind of stoic. Right. Uh, so in the strictly musical realm, I, I definitely see I see a bit of a similarity there. But I feel like he he can get up. He pops up into that falsetto. I do feel like he has like a pretty wide vocal range. Personally. He just doesn't he use does. it all the time. Yeah, he he. It, but it comes out there. And then also we have I guess we need to mention that. This is the first album of Magnetic Fields besides the first two where there's different singers on it. Yep. And yeah. so that and also I love that he uh picked people that had pretty much no like no one knew who they were. Like right. as far as you know what I mean? They were just his friends or people in the neighborhood yeah. or something like that. So I love the characters he picked for this, you know, his collaborators or Well this cause he had that project in the mid 90s the sixth where he wrote sixth. all the songs and then they had this was kind of all the like leading lights of the 90s indie rock at the time singing all the songs guest vocalists yeah, yeah. and so uh i like that it wasn't like oh we'll get so-and-so to sing this one it's more just like no ld will do it dudley will do it my friend shirley that I, yeah. i've known since i was eight years old is gonna do it claudia can sing some just you know i love that so yeah much. it just feels more just like friends doing something real together authentic and best, real yeah Totally, with the best intentions and with a clear understanding of one another and what they're doing. Yeah. Right, yeah. It all goes into that world building. Yeah. This is definitely a world building album. Yeah. Yeah. 
Damn. And it's so cool that they made it so humbly and got to celebrate something that, that kind of was explosive in a, in a lot of ways. Now, this is 1999, so is he, is this digital recording in his studio, or is it just tape? Like, well, does he have a tape machine? Like, Yeah, you know? it's digital, pretty sure. Okay. I'm almost positive, yeah. Because I, th- I remember it used he to be just... That would have been thousands and thousands of dollars if it was tape. Well, well, oh, my God, well, yeah. well what about Mac DeMarco? Stuff. He does tape, doesn't he? Mac DeMarco does tape, but Mac DeMarco makes an album in a week. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, he's, he's more streamlined. Yeah. He's <laughs> Mac DeMarco, man. So should we start going track by track? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Absolutely cuckoo. I love this. Absolutely cuckoo, noti- noticeably a, one of many loop songs, which I feel Stephen Merritt does really well too because you're talking about 145. He has so many songs on this record where it's just the same chord progression over and over in the, uh, yeah. like in a, in a strict sense, no variation, but you don't hear it because the melody like right. rules so hard. You know, I, I love that. Yeah, it's very much like you're you're in the song, we're doing the song, and then it's over. Like you know, nothing uh, wears out. It's welcome yeah. for sure. Man, I don't know. Man, I can't like remember. You know what I mean? Like I heard it like twice. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what. No, dude, believe me, it's it's a, it's a struggle. I, I just I remember certain aspects of certain tunes, but yeah, you I'd have yeah. to do uh, like like Dakota sticks out. Okay, yeah. yeah. Reno Dakota. Yeah, that had the your no Nino singing. Yeah, your no Nino Rota. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's another thing that's amazing about this. Like just the references to culture and just his knowledge of everything just seems to be exploding out of everything at all times. He's such a poet. It's very studious. Yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah, clever is a word that's used, but it's he's a legit genius. You know. Yeah. So. in my opinion. I think I need a new heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah he, he shows his range a little bit in that one. Sure. That, that was definitely a, like just an easy listening like pop standout for me. Yeah. I think I need a new heart. Yeah. I love uh, Let's Pretend We're Bunny Rabbits where he's singing at the top <laughs> yeah. of his range, yeah. <laughs> like in a very OMD. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that one stuck so out. Now, I guess I'll put it this way. Are there any songs at all on here that you're like, eh, that one was in bad taste or that doesn't fit? Like, is, is this really truly a flawless uh, album to you or or is there anything you, I mean, would have changed about it, for lack of a better uh, there? No, I, no. And also I think part of the reason why I picked this record is because it transcends or it just do, it just really doesn't, uh it doesn't make things like trying to pick flaw like i don't know i feel like life and real things contain some things that don't work perfectly and i feel yeah. like this record does that also and the fact that it's dedicated to love which is an aspect of most people's lives yeah i think it is what makes that even more powerful in a weird way so i wouldn't change a single thing that's so cool and and some songs that people disregard like love is like jazz or whatever i love that song i yeah i you love like love is like jazz oh my god of course (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) that that one i was like oh he's he's uh i mean he's there there's playfulness in that one for sure yeah i felt that way too i felt that way too about that song yeah just like that beatnik beret parody is so funny a pretty girl oh. is like a pretty girl yeah <laughs> yeah he's doing his irving berlin pastiche mm. there yeah 
but yeah, so I personally, I I I love that about this record and that there's you can't really go picking things apart because it's just that's just not what it's about. It functions on its own with its own kind of yeah. logic in a way. That's why I also I'm glad we're talking about it on this thing where we're talking about classic records or yada yada. Yeah. It's just you can't do it with this one. And yeah. I, that's that's I guess that that's pretty fair. Yeah, that's more where I like to live mm-hmm. personally. You know, like I love hearing people talk about other things. Or I mean, you know, in in like I enjoy listening to music nerds talk about music on occasion for sure. And I've, I definitely do it too. But, uh, yeah, I think this one, you just, you can't really in a, in a way that will get you anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's, and it's so long and it's so complete and it's so like its own universe. It's, it's like a book and I guess it'd be kind of like, uh, with a well-written book, well-written novel, it'd be like, well, what chapter do you want to take out? Maybe it's, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't work the same way. Yeah, and I do believe editing was involved, for sure. Like, uh, I'm, I know there's some discard, like some songs that I knew were in the running for this one have ended up on a couple other things, and they're, to, oh, my, to my ears, beautiful huh. songs that could have easily sat in there, but instead he chose, like, punk rock love or love is like jazz or you know like these songs that you might or how fucking yeah. romantic yeah 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 i love both constrictor and yeah there's also just as far as how that's like some pretty insanely proficient guitar playing on that song like there's all these really uh technically dazzling performances in a lot of ways but it never reads as being yeah. too slick or you know it's all very uh winky yeah no, the the album is like these songs are like the definition of serving the song. Yep. There's, I mean, there's no real s- instrumental solos, isn't right. Like there's there's no distractions in that way, really. Like as far as I yeah. can remember. Yeah. What's your favorite song, Nicholas, in the album? The favorite, favorite song. Favorite song. Uh, What's your favorite? So you gotta pick one. Now pick pick three. Let, no, let. You listened to this album recently. Was there any particular song that you were like, ah, oh, the reason I love this yeah. album so much, like that particularly got under your skin? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a bunch. And also, like we were talking about, when something kind of like goes into your heart at a certain time when you're a teenager or whatever, just it's pretty much there for yeah. good. So you can kind of call upon it. Yeah. But also my ears, my ears have changed so much over the last yeah. uh, 20-something God, years. Yeah. But I, so I almost have more to hear and appreciate in this record because i didn't you know as far as production and like the lyrics and everything go but um i would say i remember having a a total like verklemp moment with uh grand canyon if you remember that one if i was the grand canyon i'd uh, yeah, echo it's... everything you say but i'm just uh, me yeah. i'm only me wow. and you used to love me that way it's crazy Whoa, perfect wow. yeah it's yeah. beautiful left you for Clint. yeah i mean that it happened it happened over and over i'm a, i cry easy but uh that song in particular wow, uh, wow. i'll i'll name that one cool yeah. What about you? Uh, I really like the low one. I mean, maybe it's like shatter. I don't know. Yeah, that one has a bunch of crazy cello harmonics going on. Okay. And like, okay, if that's your if that's your pick, that's a very cool, <laughs> wacky choice. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Or he, I don't know. He sings low all the time. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. If I, uh, if I made, like, a, a romantic comedy on Netflix, I think I'd definitely put Meaningless in the soundtrack. Mm. Yeah. That one I definitely remember. And uh, I think I Need a New Heart is, is uh, definitely a popular one. Yeah. The Book of Love, I totally get why that's, like, a wedding song for some people. Yeah. Um, Fido, Your Leash is Too Long is one of the first songs where I was like, oh, this, this album can go anywhere. This is quirky, like the, the synth work on that. And Fido, your leash <laughs> is too long. <laughs> yeah. That one is, that kind of got a Beck feel to me a little bit right. too. Uh, and, all, and all those aborted swear words in that song, the way he like, I don't care what uh, you fuck sounds do. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then I remember that, even though the sequencing was randomly generated after Fido, there's how fucking romantic. So there's all these aborted swear words on the song. Mm-hmm. And then the next song's like straight up F-bomb right out the gate <laughs> and some finger snaps. Man, I mean, he must have a blast when he makes a set list for his shows. He's like, I can, I have like 300 songs to choose from. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think they just stick to pretty much the same plot. And he also doesn't remember has a terrible memory so there's like a big folder yeah. in front of him with all the lyrics and he just sits there and reads them <laughs> how, how could you remember this much because yeah. it's it's not like there there some of these are lyrically dense too oh yeah I feel, how does eminem or someone like who raps fast like remember all those songs like, well eminem that's all he does he doesn't have to play an yeah, instrument true, at the same true. time you know but He's still. Just, that's just him living in his head. Yeah. I'm a big fan of this rapper, Young Thug, and Young Thug apparently doesn't even... He's super prolific and uh, just b- writes everything on the spot and remembers everything verbatim Ooh, after he does it. Really? So, that is that kind of brain I, I don't understand. Yeah, me yeah. either. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, cool. Holy moly. Well, I'm glad I discovered <laughs> this album. This was cool. This is cool. It's like the whole story I'm behind s- it and everything. Yeah, I'm psyched. <laughs> Yeah, th- thanks for picking this one. I-, I knew this would make for-, for an interesting episode, for sure. Awesome. No problem. It's a joy. Uh, <laughs> I'm just realizing, just talking about it so much, that I truly feel like such a dork in a way that I haven't... <laughs> Embrace it. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think, yeah, I think just this record left a huge impression on me and still has, and it's just like, it's hugely important to me. So it's like a big swirl of my universe still, you know? That's beautiful, man. Uh, yeah, any other uh, kind of p- parting thoughts? Any Anything we didn't quite cover enough with it, you think? Or mm. I mean, we could go on forever, so I think we, we did it. <laughs> we did it. Or I, I could, rather. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so I'm good. How are you cool. feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah, we got outside the, the usual kind of zone, I feel like. So that, so this, is, uh, this is definitely a fun one. Cool. And thank you so much for coming on, Nicholas. Yeah. If uh, we'll, we'll do the old um, plug routine here now. If, if people want to check out your own music, where do you like to, to point folks towards? Uh, there's my band camp, which is just my name, uh, which is long and confusing, Nicholas Kurgovich. Uh, and then I do the – I'm on Instagram and all that junk too. So mm-hmm. you can go there. The Instagram junk. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll I'll put Insta-junk. some uh, some links in the show notes. Insta junk. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We did it, guys. Thanks yeah, for, yeah, for joining Thanks me for this. Great meeting you, man. Good to meet you too. Take care, everybody. Take care. All right. Well, that was a good time. 
you're a Magnetic Fields fan, I, I hope we served you well. Um, I, I am certainly intrigued to dive more into their catalog now. This is, uh, they have a unique stature. Uh, so that's going to do it for this week. If you are inspired to show the podcast some love, please feel free to leave a rating or a review on iTunes or anywhere else that you really love listening to podcasts. If you're a Niagara Moon fan, this is it. This is your last two days to use uh, the discount code RUDY, R-U-D-I, at checkout on the Niagara Moon store. You get yourself 50% off, half off, uh, any one merch item. So just letting you know. And uh, besides that, there's also Niagara Moon on Patreon, patreon.com slash Niagara Moon Music. You can see all the exciting stuff going on there. We're churning out more and more content as the weeks uh, march on. Uh, yeah, just thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you have the best version of uh, the holiday season that you can have this year. Uh, everybody stay safe, stay healthy. Peace out.